As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, everybody, it's not going to be one of these years, but it won't be one of these years also as the Lions are not going to go through a season Winless. I am, of course, Nick Crumbrenner, along with Chris Burke, for another episode of the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Chris. I was not there. I was coming back from Indy with Austin Meek after the Big Ten Championship game, but you were there. You and dozens of Lions fans <laughs> were there to witness a historic day as Dan Campbell uh, and Brad Holmes get their first win. Uh, before we get into the game here, I just want to I want you to set the scene for the folks who weren't in the building or weren't around the team. We can't be in the locker room, of course, like we used to, but, like, what was the vibe? What was the vibe after this long, <laughs> horrific wait uh, that we've had to go through? Yeah, how about uh, how about Brad Holmes on that celebration video looking <laughs> like he just sprinted around what? the entire facility? <laughs> right. That, I was like, the locker room. First, like, Campbell looked like he was going to throw uh, <laughs> Sheila through the roof, right? Cause, like, and he was like, oh, God, I forgot that you, you weigh 70 pounds. And then, yeah, my, my other reaction was Holmes, that he looked like he... Uh, Just gasping maybe, for air. Maybe background. Campbell broke his ribs with a hug or something, which is very <laughs> possible, right? So Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it was... I, I think... Um, I did a podcast with Lindsey Rhodes, the NFL Network, on Monday, and I said, like, I think you saw... I, like from the outside, I, I already I got a bunch of the tweets like, "Oh, why? Like, why are you said you're one ten and one? Why are you celebrating like you won the Super Bowl?" And I was like, "It's it was three hundred and sixty four damn days between wins, yeah. and the way they won too. Obviously, you know, it's always more exciting to win it like that, a walk off touchdown. Right. Um, but I mean, I think you saw just the relief, the happiness in the crowd, and the uh, you know, the fans, the players, Charles Harris said he tried to run down and celebrate with uh, Amon Ra St. Brown in the corner of the end zone, couldn't even get there because so many people were jumping on, <laughs> right. on him. Like, guys were just going crazy. And the locker room celebration, we saw some of that too. You know, the water over uh, Campbell's head and hugs for everyone. I mean, it was. Uh, it was interesting because there was this, unfortunately, the sort of, um, the kind of somber undertones with you know they had the the decals yeah. on their helm- helmets for right. Oxford High School they wore the t-shirts before the game for Oxford moment of silence there were a bunch of people in the crowd with Oxford shirts on they kept showing them on the scoreboard and every time they get a huge ovation from the crowd so 
Um, there was that underneath. And I think that probably was part of the, part of the celebration, like the initial celebration too, just because the week was so emotional for everyone. Like the season's yeah. been emotional, but the week was so emotional. It was just this release at the very end. Cause it felt like it was going to be another one. Right. You just kept yeah. waiting exactly. for the Vikings to come back. And then you kept waiting on that last drive. Like, all right, golf's going to get sacked or something. Right. Like something's like, he's going to throw turnover. Yeah. Right. Like I said, I think I, in our Slack channel, during I was like, he's going to throw this last ball to like the four yard line. <laughs> They're going to oh, get tackled yeah, right. zone or something. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you're just waiting on <laughs> At it. At the one. So, yeah, right. <laughs> um, I don't know, but it was like, it was fun to see the celebration uh, and certainly the crowd, what it was, the, you know, yeah, the 35, right. 40,000 people there went nuts. So um, I don't know, just a, a cool moment for a team that hasn't had a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that my biggest reaction after the game and the final drive uh, really kind of tied it together for me. Like, again, we've talked about this all year so many times um, that there's two ways Lions can cut games. They can do it like this, where they kick the can down the road, and I think Chris said this last week or two weeks ago, and it really made a lot of sense. You can kick the can all the way down the road, but at some point you have to take a chance to make a play, right? You can measure it all the way down to like a couple and see if you can boil it down and maybe they'll screw up enough and you'll accidentally win. Or you can take a bunch of chances and probably get blown out. Like those are the only two options that the Lions have this year with their roster. And so they have to play these games like this and you see what happens. You know, weird things happen. And so for them to get the ball back after all that crazy stuff and then to go all the way down the field and to do it sort of the way they had to do it, right? Knowing you're not going to have anybody that saves you. You're not going to have anybody that comes and makes a big play and like chunks this thing out and gets you out of no man's land or something like that. You had to do it all the way methodically and for them to do it that way and for it to pay off and for it to finally hit because it really does have to be kind of perfect. You know, that was like, okay, good for those guys. Good for Dan Campbell because like they, they've had their share of games this year where they've blown it and they've had their share of games this year where they've lost just because it's incredibly difficult to win in this league with a marginal roster. And so... You know, for all the things that we've talked about all year, good for golf, for, for all those guys. And, you know, Campbell was really the one I think you thought about the most because of all the things that he's racked his brain over and, you know, messing with the coordinators on offense, changing this, changing that, you know, tweaking this, tweaking that, just trying to get a win, you know. And I guess we'll see what happens from here. But what they were up against this season and what they've been up against in all this, I mean, that's it's been a long climb. And I think that yeah. celebration was justified. You know, I don't have any problem with that. Yeah, and you're right about that last drive. I mean, and it, he said it after the Campbell said it after the game, which you just said. You know, it's this is how we have to win this year. It might be yeah. how we have to win next year. Right. You know, we're going to have this is how games are going to have to happen for us. And that last drive, it it, it was pretty much perfect because you get two shots at the end zone from a manageable distance. I mean, you're not throwing a hail mary. It's exactly. a 12, 11, 12 yarder. So you get it down to there. But even that, like they needed. Godwin Igubuke made an incredible play on a throw over the middle that was short of it was third and ten. They threw short of yeah, the and that was your one right, like one one like guy making a gu- right. play, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. that was it. But yeah. he gets to, and I mentioned that I wrote up five key plays yeah. that can, might have gotten gotten forgotten in that win. That was like if he gets tackled inbounds or gets tackled short of the first down marker, mm-hmm. you probably lose that game, or you end yeah. up throwing like a thirty-five yarder at the end instead of harder. an eleven yarder because you're going to lose all the time. And so that was a huge play. Uh, St. Brown swatted down what was probably going to be an interception. The one time yep. Goff did throw deep. They also, I mentioned, I was talking to 
some folks in the press co- are waiting for Campbell to come to the press conference. The play that, like, this is sort of what the margin for error is. The play right before their two shots to the end zone was a little quick out to St. Brown. They didn't have any timeouts left. There were like 14 seconds. They threw one to the sideline to St. Brown, and he was really, really close to getting knocked backwards out of bounds by the cornerback. And when that happens, if you're not going forward and out of bounds in the NFL, the clock keeps running. And he was like a half step away from that. And so that was the margin for error for them. But yeah, I mean, I think they did a really nice job um, on that final drive. I think Goff did a good job. I think the offensive line did a great job. Really, other than one, they had one like hurry up third down where they blew the protection. I don't know what I think it was a communication thing, but the line was really good all day and on that mm-hmm. last drive, especially. And then, you know, you saw some of their guys step up. I mean, St. Brown obviously came up big. Hawkinson had a good day. They got the ball to Reynolds a few times. So it sort of started to look like an actual offense for, yeah. <laughs> for stretches in that game. The second quarter was the best quarter they have played this entire year. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's That was the biggest note for me, I guess, on both sides of the ball, really, uh, was that maybe for the first time, I don't know, maybe not for the first time, but for one of the first times anyway, uh, you got great performances or the, maybe your best performance, maybe not great, your best performances were from the guys I think that are going to be around, right? Like guys that you're counting on. Uh, you mentioned the the line was really good. St. Brown was really good. Uh, you got stuff from Reynolds. You got stuff from Iguabuke, who you took a chance on defensively. Jerry Jacobs was good again. Um, you know, they got stuff from Harris again. Bruce Hector was able to get in there and make some things <laughs> yeah, happen. Like, how about I that? Mean, he forced a hold, right, I think. Right. Like, you got Melifonwu back out there. Um, you know, I think Will Harris made a play on a ball I saw. You know, so, like, yeah. Derek, Derek Barnes was very active. All the guys that are going to be here were the guys that kind of won the game for you. And I think that that's how I looked at golf too. And I think we we should talk about golf here for a second. And it's going to be a complicated conversation. But before we get too deep into it, golf, his best game, right? I mean, that that was his best game. I think we can say it was good. He was, he made some really good throws down the seam in this one. You mentioned the second quarter being their best quarter, really their best half, probably the first half. I mean, he made some really good throws down the middle field, confident throws. His feet looked good. He looked like he was in rhythm. He looked like he was his timing was better. Not perfect all the way through, but that looked like a pretty good Jared Goff, or, or, or maybe the the best version of of Jared Goff that uh, the Lions can expect. I don't know what your thoughts first on Jared Goff, and then we'll get into the rest of the whole thing there. You're right. It is complicated. It's it's complicated with him because he always makes it. I feel like more complicated than it needs to be because yeah. you see. Like, he made that throw early to Hawkinson up the seam, like, uh, mm-hmm. o- over the middle of the field, you know, over top of the linebacker in front of the safety. Hawkinson made an incredible catch, but it was a really good throw. And then he came back later on that drive and split, looked off Harrison Sp- Smith, split the safety cornerback coverage or safety linebacker coverage and and hit Hawkinson for the touchdown. Um, he had a great throw rolling to his left. Off yeah, his back foot, really cross his body to Josh Reynolds for like Great 25 yards. Yeah. Um, you know, he made some really nice, aggressive throws. And on all of them, you're sort of looking at these underneath routes that are open. And I, I've tweeted it a couple times now. Like, those are the throws. Even if those downfield throws have been there, there have been some windows. Mm-hmm. Like, even the Brock Wright touchdown. Brock Wright touchdown was, was impressive. It was there. And it was a yeah. great throw. But he is not making that throw no, most weeks. Exactly. He's throwing to Jamal Williams coming out of the backfield for four yards. Yeah. And so I don't know 
if it was just that he hit the one early and it sort of snowballed. I guess I I think that that probably does happen mm-hmm. for a lot of NFL quarterbacks, but especially guys like him who maybe aren't super aggressive. Or if they told him going in, like we like they just called more plays where the first and second reads were vertical routes, and so right. you know he's not getting to the stuff that's underneath. Um, I don't know, but it looked more aggressive early. And then the problem is, of course, you come out in the second half, you have two terrible possessions. He still right. threw a, just an awful interception to ha- trying to fit one between defenders to Hawkinson when St. Brown was running wide open underneath. He had the fourth and one. like He put the ball in his hands on fourth and one with five and a half minutes left, and the thing just goes to hell. <laughs> he takes yeah, a right. and fumbles. Yeah. They get stuffed on a fourth and one sneak. So you still have all these moments that you're sort of wringing your hands, but... Right. Yeah. I mean, the passing game in, in, as as a whole looked different. It looked more aggressive. It reminded me of the first half of the Green Bay game, but mm-hmm. back in week two, where he was just like, "All right, let's just cut it loose and see what happens." Yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, I think we've seen enough now through you know whatever how many games has it been twelve, thirteen, whatever it's been. Um, that he's a streaky player with confidence. He's just a. He's not a consistent football player. But I think that the thing that a game like Sunday showed was the, you know, that like the best of Jared Goff, like at his best is maybe a little bit better than we were giving him credit for. I think we've seen that a few times this year, but the fact remains is that he's not a consistent player. So you look at that and you say, yeah, when you're able to get him some confident throws early in the game, then you're able to see some things from him. Like the one where he's able to roll out to his left with really good feet, very disciplined, keeping the ball where it needs to be. And he puts it right on, Randall's hands. That was a terrific throw. And then the better one, you mentioned it again, the one to right was exactly what we're talking about. Like that throw has been there before this season and he hasn't taken it, you know, like he hasn't taken the chance he did there and it was perfect. So when he's in rhythm and you know, they know what he can hit and they know what he's comfortable with. It's not a mystery. Everyone knows that, you know, that, that those seam throws, the quick stuff off play action, all that sort of thing. He can do that when he's confident and everything else, but like if something goes wrong, everything goes to hell. Like, you know, he <laughs> right. can't. Yeah. That's the problem with Jared Goff. And it's the been the problem with Jared Goff his entire career. It remains the problem with Jared Goff. The Lions issue with him this year was had been, and you know, has been, I guess, up until in recent weeks, I think it's been better, had been finding the things that unlock, you know, his best stuff. I think we can safely say they found the recipe there, which is to get him comfortable early in a game. But the point remains, like, you still can't do anything about him not being consistent at all in any situation during a game. And the full evaluation of this, it's it's a perfect example of it because you got the great, the great stuff from him. And then you got the stuff that you're like, we cannot have this. You can't be the quarterback here if this is going to be how you play. So it's like, yeah, that was the ultimate Jared Goff experience. Well, that's, that's actually what I was going to ask you. Do you think, like, for that game, they needed Goff to play like that? It's obviously it, nice yeah, to get a win. I think great he's stuff. been yeah, right. really good. Um, and I've said this a few times along the way. Like, I think he's he deserves some credit for just mm-hmm. the way he's handled himself here. Because this is obviously not a sure. great situation. I think he's bought in. He's got a really good relationship with Dan Campbell. Players all respect him. Um, but was a game like, as we're talking about moving this thing forward, is a game like Sunday a good or bad thing for this organization? Because we know 
that they, at worst, I think at this moment, are kind of on the fence about whether Jared Goff can be their guy for at least another year. And so a game like this, I feel like they're going to look at and say, well, look look at all the things we did. Look yeah. at what we can do when the line's blocking, when we're not taking penalties, when we're in second and six instead of second and 12, uh, when we dial up a couple shots and guys make plays downfield. This is, we can score 29 points against a pretty good defense and uh, win some games at the end. And so I wonder if a game like that is going, you know, like, I don't know. Does, do you think one game shifts the direction of where they might want to take this thing? No, because I think that it would still have to end up being inconclusive. I think when you pull back completely and totally from that and just and look at it for what it was, you know, they had the game in control and then they didn't. He was playing well and then he wasn't. Like that's been <laughs> right. Jared Goff yeah. this season. And so to me, it's almost more of this it's you know, it's better in in that in that I would say that the last month for Jared Goff has been better, right? I think we can all say that. I think the the last half or if you split the season through, you know, halfway point right now, the take the first half of the year and the second half of the year, maybe the middle was kind of rough. And then this last little stretch here, I think Jared Goff is after his injury situation there, I think he's gotten better. I think he's gotten a little bit better here and there. It hasn't been great, but incrementally there's been th- some things that we've seen, but not enough. And it's been inconsistent. And I think it's still more of the same. So to me, I, this is what this feels like to me. It feels like, you know, and I could be wrong, but in, the more I look at it, you know, they're they're tinkering with, and you mentioned that, you know, Ben Johnson got credit from Campbell this week about being the passing game coordinator and how he was involved with golf and the passing game stuff. And Anthony Lynn is no, is now the running Pretty game coordinator. And, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't sound like Anthony Lynn is going to be the offensive coordinator for a whole lot longer, but I guess we could be wrong. But what this does sound like to me more than anything is that, they are trying to make, trying to go out of their way to make all things as comfortable as possible for Jared Goff right now. And whether or not, and this, so that, and that means to me, that means two things. That means they are still thinking he's their guy, possibly long term, or they are still in the process of, we need to totally find out everything we can about whether or not you can do this. And that means we need to give you every opportunity to show to us that you can play a complete full game like that second quarter. And then maybe we can have a different conversation. That might be what's happening here where they're giving themselves like the full honest. Are we giving golf everything? Are we giving him everything we can? To yeah, that's see? a good point. Right. Like that's what I was wondering about as, as you know, that game wrapped up and, and I was thinking about it after he talked about Johnson and stuff like and then when you said it again before we started talking, like, are they totally bought in on Goff as their quarterback? Or are they telling themselves, we have to be honest with ourselves completely and exhaust all possibilities with Goff here? Just to see. Because if you're talking about, if it's on the table that you have to kill his contract in the winter and eat, eat all that money, that's not, not that's a lot of money that you're eating. Yeah. So, like, have you, have you really... Have you really explored every avenue? And I think that might be a little bit of what's happening here too. I wonder, I was going to ask you the same thing, kind of what your thoughts on that were, on that balance of, because I know a lot of people were kind of thinking that, right? Does this mean they're completely bought in on golf forever? Or is this like, what does this mean? So I'm, I'm kind of curious on your sort of read or what you were thinking coming out of it. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think it sort of plays into 
a thought I had during the game, and Campbell downplayed this later on, but I think not having DeAndre Swift turned out to be kind of a blessing in disguise for this evaluation process. Yeah, because they, didn't have a, they didn't have him as a crutch. Right. It forced him to get St. Brown involved. This was the most they've used him and to take take those couple shots and make sure Hawkinson was getting the ball and, and sort of do some other stuff on offense that we haven't really seen them do. And so, you know, Minnesota was really banged up. They were missing Eric Kendricks, which was a huge loss for them oh, in, yeah, at linebacker. And, you know, they were, they were missing some guys. So you note that. But I think that we've been waiting to see what this offense would look like if they really came out and 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 sort of push the envelope a little bit. If Goff really did this, not just like once, but yeah. a few times over the course of a game and was in some tight spots and got him out of it and, and all these things. And so I think now it'll be interesting to see how it moves forward. And if they do it again in Denver or if they just go back, especially if Swift plays. And, you know, not that yeah. it's anything's wrong with giving DeAndre Swift 25 or 30 touches. We've talked about that. But, uh, just sort of scaling it all the way back again, making sure every throws, you know, five, six yards, manage the game and not really try to push it downfield. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I do think that the, the Lynn, Ben Johnson, Campbell (laughs) dynamic is, I don't know. I mean, Anthony Lynn Campbell said during the week, Ben, since he's taken over, since Campbell's taken over his play caller, they have basically been using Ben Johnson, as a passing game coordinator, essentially, and Anthony right. Lynn's been helping with the run game. That was right. that was pretty much the phrase he used. He's helping right. with the run game. So that's you've kind of got Anthony Lynn now as your run game coordinator, I guess, and yeah. Ben Johnson as your passing game coordinator, and Campbell's essentially serving as the offensive yeah. coordinator. Um, so I guess that there's maybe you take something positive out of the fact that Ben Johnson has helped. Yeah, maybe. Open this thing up a little, and especially to get the tight ends involved. I mean, that's his position. Officially, he's the tight ends coach, so maybe he has gone in there and said, like, look, we can get Hawkinson and Ryder getting open. Throw him the ball downfield. Maybe that's all he's done, and that's been enough. But I guess uh, I was, first of all, going to ask if you could explain what a passing game coordinator is to (laughs) people because it's just sort of (laughs) an ambiguous title. But then, I don't know. Do you have any thought? We've talked about Lynn, but do you have any thoughts on how that's sort of unfolded? Because we just went through two weeks of Campbell as a play caller being pretty uninspiring, and now they turned a corner for at least one day. Well, we went through two weeks of Campbell being a haphazard all over the goddamn place play caller, I think is really what it was. <laughs> right, yeah. And so, thankfully, for this podcast and this exercise, I have experience in the Jim Harbaugh world of coaching. And a passing game coordinator, as I understand it, and I think that this is from what you just explained here, I think this is what's happening. Um, you know, and this is me, I think, I don't know. No one has told me this. But my guess on what's happening here is that he's got Ben Johnson coming up with a pass and Anthony Lynn coming up with a run and he's sending them both out there and saying you pick you know at the line and or he's deciding between which one in the moment so Mm -hmm. you know Ben Johnson you come up with the best pass play that we've got in this situation I trust your you know your opinion on where we are with our pass game the most and, you know, and Anthony Lynn, I trust your opinion of where we are with our best run stuff the most. I don't trust either one of you with both the most. I trust me with both the most. That is what I would probably guess is happening here. Um, 
having a pass game coordinator and a run game coordinator, having someone come up with one side of each is much more efficient than I think. Not that they maybe they were doing this, but that would be much more efficient than Campbell and Lynn just sort of like bouncing ideas off each other in a 15-second window and just kind of guessing. <laughs> you know, like, is that sort of what it felt like might have been happening? This seems a little more in line with what we see sometimes from head coaches who really want to be involved with their offense, which is, you know, they're the de facto offensive coordinator and they're, they're quote on, you know, the guy they hired to be their quote unquote offensive coordinator is, you know, the person who just sort of puts up with them the most in terms of game planning, right? <laughs> right like you right, have yeah. to just eat the most stuff. Like when Harbaugh was here and he had Tim Drevno as his offensive coordinator, right? Like great example. Drevno's not here anymore. So whatever. Drevno, like, he had a passing game coordinator, he had a run game coordinator, and he had an offensive coordinator. Harbaugh was the offensive coordinator. He had a guy that was, Drebno was picking the run plays. They had Jed Fish picking the pass plays. And Harbaugh was deciding which was going on, you know, I think in real time. I think that's more or less how it was going. I I don't know if that's exactly what's happening here, but I would I would think to a degree something yeah. like that is probably happening. And so Pat, to your point, Pep yeah, Hamilton like, did it for a little bit yeah, too, didn't and he? and Pep did it too, right, exactly. So And then eventually that morphed into just like, I think Pep was like, Jim, I got to do this myself. And, he was, <laughs> and then he was like, okay, well, yeah. And then you're fired, you know, like, or whatever. But like, I don't know how it all goes. Yeah. But I don't know how it's going to end, but I can't imagine it. I, I wouldn't think Anthony Lynn will be back here. Right. You know, I can't think he's enjoying any part of this. No. Uh, well, I think, you know, I think yeah. a lot of times the, like that passing game coordinator thing, you get, gets tacked on. It's like, it's almost just like more of a title too, right? Yeah, like I, like really, Aubrey Pleasant is the defensive passing game coordinator for the Lions too. And they probably, yeah. that was probably part of the pitch to get him to leave his former job was, okay, you can right. be the DB's coach, but also the defensive passing game coordinator and figure sure. out what that means when you get here. And so. that might be how Campbell runs runs the defense, but to the, to the same, to, or runs the team in general, right? Where it's yeah. like, you know, hey, you've got this guy that you trust or whatever, but it's like, hey, I'll bet that... Uh, I'll bet Arby Pleasant isn't calling defenses over Aaron Glenn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I'll bet that's not happening. So that's kind of the thing here, I think, that Lynn, you know, reading between the lines, and you've been out there for some of his talks um, with you guys, I know. And, and, and you know, he's a pro's pro, right? You know, Anthony Lynn is like the most professional, one of the most professional coaches I think any of us have kind of been yeah. around. Oh, for sure. Um, and he's never going to say anything that is going to put the team at risk and he's never going to say anything that is going to be whatever. And he's never probably not going to be all in for the team, but he's also made it very clear that he doesn't necessarily agree with this. And, you know, I can't imagine if he has another opportunity to go somewhere else, run his own show that that might be what he wants to do. And it's entirely possible. I think at this point that Ben Johnson is just, that's, he is the passing game coordinator yeah. next year and they don't maybe, really hire maybe. an offensive coordinator. <laughs> maybe that's what I was plays. wondering. That's what I was wondering. Like maybe it's something where we see, and I'm uh, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. I really don't know. And I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I, I just know that, you know, Anthony Lynn's a guy that's going to have options. You know, he's not, he's not a bum. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's right. not a guy that's, yeah. gonna, he's going to have options. And I think Campbell would respect that either way. But like, let's say, let's say Anthony Lynn does decide I'm going to, I'm going to go. This isn't, you know, the fit that I want right here. I think that maybe you could see a situation to your point. Maybe Ben Johnson's a pass game coordinator. Maybe Deuce is your run game coordinator right, or something yeah. like that. And maybe Dan, you know, I don't know. Maybe you hire another guy in there to help with the quarterbacks or something. But like, yeah, you're you're definitely right. That is interesting. And that could be what we see. Like, what does Sean Payton do? He's his uh, offensive coordinator. Yeah. You know, I, I don't question. know what I don't know what Sean Payton's <laughs> offensive coordinator is. Pull that up. Yeah. 
or who he is, but I promise you he's not calling plays. I, I guarantee it. Sean Payton's yeah. calling plays. You know what I mean? Or Sean Payton is doing exactly what we just described. He's the gatekeeper right. of the plays. And right. so that is, yeah, that's a Parcells, that's an alpha move, man. Like, that's what yeah. that is. And I just, you know, I, I that's probably Dan Campbell. That's I was right. gonna say, I mean, Pete, Pete Carmichael's been the offensive coordinator in sure. New Orleans for like over a decade, but they do have a run game coordinator too. They've got like their quarterback's coach is Ronald mm-hmm. Curry, who used to play, and I think he'll probably be a coordinator at some point himself. Yeah. So they have all these guys. I think you're right. Coach, it's probably going to end up Curry. being a yeah. similar, maybe you, may, maybe you hire an offensive coordinator, but you like tell him. Yeah, this is going to run through this me. This is and how Bet's, it's going to go. Right. We'll mention too, like as we are talking so much about Ben Johnson, like he was uh, on that Miami staff with Dan mm-hmm. Campbell, and was I think he was the tight ends coach the year that Campbell was the interim, or bumped up yeah. to interim. But he was a QBs coach or assistant QBs coach there, and he was the tight ends coach. I mean, he's been with the Lions now since 2019. Like he's uh, yeah, they held. He's him been around for, for yeah. a while here, and it seems like. You know, this isn't someone that just this isn't like Brunel where he came back from coaching high school for seven or eight years. Like he's been more sort of slowly building up through the NFL ranks for like a decade. So it would make sense at some point if he's as good as they seem to think he is yeah. to put more on his plate. And so maybe he is maybe Anthony Lynn's out and Ben Johnson's your passing game coordinator like we're talking about. And they just don't hire a new offensive coordinator. I think that that's possible, but. Whatever whatever happens yeah. Sunday is probably more of what needs to happen. So it's uh, just I think that it's been revealed to all of us that Campbell and I think we probably should have seen this coming, you know, I, I guess. Um, but you know, he's a first year coach, so it's hard to say, right? But like he's gonna be like Sean Payton. You know, I think that that's that's yeah. how this is gonna be, right? I think that that's that's a fair guess to me. I think I think uh I think Lynn said that at some point, right? He was like, Dan knows the game and he yeah. worked with Peyton forever and that's how it's going to be. I think that's I think that's just how he's going to be comfortable, you know? I think that maybe that's what all this has been, you know, where it's like they tried it the other way where he let, you know, Lynn call plays and he kind of stood there and paced and didn't say didn't say anything and then realized like I can't do that. Like I have to be able to I have to call them. I have or I have to be involved in them. And I think that it, the more I've kind of looked at it in hindsight and tried to unpack everything they've said about it, that's probably what it is. That <clears throat> Campbell probably went to Anthony Lynn and said, "This is me, not you. Uh, I have to. I'm the head coach. This is my, you know, and I have. I can't not be involved in in this more." And and he probably said, "Okay, I understand. I don't like it, but I understand." And I think that's probably where you're at with it. Yeah, and it it goes back to what we started talking about when they hire Dan Campbell like this is the importance of building a staff too that makes sense and can work together and all this collaboration stuff they're talking about because even in I mean essentially Anthony Lynn's been demoted not he's still yeah kind of his title's offensive coordinator but essentially he's been right demoted and his role has changed so you need a guy he said this week when he talked to the media like I understand it I don't like it but I understand it and so you need people that are going to be Okay, if and you I make believe him decisions. when he says that, right? Yeah, I believe him when he says I understand it completely. Until I mean, I don't that. think like if Campbell goes and tries to take the defense, Aaron Glenn's probably going <laughs> to punch him in the face. Like it's that's gonna not going to happen. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that for this specific situation, it worked. And right, you kind of contrast that to what we saw happen 
Yeah. Uh, a few times over the previous regime, like Jim Bob Cooter and Matt Patricia trying to coexist. And then, uh, right. Like yes. Braden Coombs and Daryl Bevel <laughs> having their thing. <laughs> and like, so it, I think that this is, at, at right. least the way it's sort of evolved here is maybe a positive uh, for how they've built the staff, too. Sure, 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 sure. Yes. Guys are willing to move around. And, and I think that's why you, what Campbell says. I think that's why you hired Anthony Lynn. I think that's why I, I, I would, I wouldn't rule it out that Campbell and Anthony Lynn had some sort of conversation early, early on. Like, sure. part of the reason I want you on the staff is I need to learn how to be a head coach and I'm going to lean on you for advice on how to be a head coach. And mm-hmm. I know that you want to run the offense, but also, like, I need to learn how to be a head coach. And I think Anthony Lynn, and I think part of the reason he hires a guy like Anthony Lynn is knowing that, you know, he understands what that means. Like he's been a first time head coach too, and he understands what that's like. You're, it's your job now and you, things have to go differently and you have to make decisions sometimes that you think are best. And whether or not, you know, everyone agrees with them, they have to be supported. And I think that that's why he hired the people that he hired. And I don't think there's any bad blood or ill will. I don't sense that at all. And I don't think there will be any if he leaves after this year. And right. I don't think people should look at it that way is what I guess I would communicate here. I, I could be wrong, but I am not getting that sense. And I just think Lynn is too too big of a professional to 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 take it any other way. I just think that's how, it, that's how it's going to go. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Were you uh, disappointed at all that you missed the? <laughs> missed the yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, come on! Like I went to like a bunch of them, to, to, like that. I, I was like, I hustled to get back to a couple, and I was like, well, I can't get back to this one. It's gonna be too late. Uh, but we were in the car, like driving back, and I was on like no sleep, and I almost forgot what time it was because like the clock in the car was off. And then like Austin was like, oh, their lines are starting, or they've already started, and they're up like fourteen. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, what's going? I like totally I, like snapped out of it or whatever. But yeah, no, that was kind of a bummer that I didn't get to see it. But um, but it was also uh, like a really weird game that I'm like, yeah, I wasn't too upset that I missed that because that last like five minutes would have been really annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like the back and forth, you know, where you're like, oh, come on, guys. Like again, like Jesus Christ. <laughs> I will tell you, I also got like trapped in downtown Detroit for like a half hour trying to get out because it was just of course monsooning and there was some event at LCA, like some random event. It wasn't a the, like the wings or pistons where it's like Andrea Bocelli or someone oh. random was playing. Wow. And so they were awesome. rerouting traffic all over. So if that helps you at all, uh, it Great. took me an extra like 30 minutes to get home. Oh yeah. Um, well that makes me feel better. But uh, Justin Rogers <laughs> of the news was uh, 
taking attendance of who wasn't there. <laughs> I'm sure he was. Now, I'm uh, sure he was. I think you guys aren't allowed back. <laughs> We're not allowed back. <laughs> Kyle wasn't there either, right? I know Kyle missed like a long streak that he had. Wojo wasn't there because I know Wojo yeah. was at uh, Michigan, uh, uh, Michigan, Iowa as well, Saturday night. So, yeah, a yeah. couple people that are always there weren't there. So, yeah, Justin will probably have to get the participation report out there this week. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully Kyle Meinke's feeling okay. He yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle out that he sick, tested, so. uh, right. he tested positive for COVID, which they <laughs> frantically kicked us all out of the building <laughs> when that happened. They test the media once right. a week, and so uh, if one of us tests positive, then they yeah. We, I have more. I have had more COVID tests than anyone in my. Uh, life outside of the people that I work with <laughs> on the Lions beat, right? So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I don't know, it was, it, like I said, Quite it was fun to sort of see it. I got there and I pulled up and you can tell, you know, it, most weeks, I usually try to get there. This this was actually probably the latest I've gotten to a game. I got there like two yeah. hours, two hours, two, two and a half hours early. I usually try to get there about three hours early, but I, yeah. you can tell when you're driving in. Oh, yeah. Well, seeing the traffic, seeing the number of tailgaters, like what the crowd's going to be. And I just zoomed through like it was, <laughs> you know, like I, it was like a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, just no traffic. It's like this is not I parked. There were no cars in the parking structure. I got into the stadium. There were like Jeez. 100 people there. I just didn't feel like it was going to. It felt like it was going to be one of those days. And even when they got the lead early, it was like, well, the Vikings just need to wake up. Like it was one of those right, games yeah. where you're just like, well, they're just asleep because there's no buzz in here. Um, right. But I will say to the fans' credit, and, and this happens a lot with Lions uh, when they have these seasons. You know, like start of the game, fans are there because they, you know, have season tickets or you got them for twenty bucks. You're like, oh, let's go to the. We don't have anything else to do. Let's go to the game. But by the end. They were into it, and then you know you saw the celebration. Our editor uh, Allison Katsunika said her son went to the game and sent her a photo <laughs> after the <laughs> touchdown of like he's got like the lions celebrating, and like there was a couple in front of them like making out like they were just oh my god, like, <laughs> Jesus, <Christ. laughs> like the greatest moment of their lives. So uh, <laughs> I hope the fans like it, you know. Hopefully, we Love talked it. a lot about the fans. Hopefully, they and. Hopefully people could enjoy it. I was like within right. five minutes I got the well, they can't win anymore. That's yeah, it. Yeah, it's gotta stop right gotta now. Stop. Yeah. We don't want to lose that number one pick. Uh and so that's the other element here that I thought I guess we can get into for a second because right. we talked about Hutchinson and Thibodeau, but now yeah. you're a half game up <laughs> up or down. I don't know what the correct yeah, term right, exactly. is. Exactly. You're a half game. You got down. a half game edge on the Jaguars <laughs> and Texans. For the number one pick. Right. So if you happen to rip off, we saw that this happened last year. They won one under Bevel in like yeah, December they... and went from two or three to wherever they ended up. Yeah, just blew the draft pick right to hell. Right. Like yeah. now there's there's sort of a floor, I think. Probably they won't I don't think they'd slip any lower than like three. So three it seems like the worst, right? That seems yeah. like the lowest. I mean, I don't go. think they're winning I, they might not win another one. I don't think they're winning three or four. So I think no. three is probably the, the floor. I mean, it's possible they don't win again. I mean, you know, at Denver almost feels like, or I guess at Atlanta would be the two, right? Yeah. Because I, mean, I, I don't really stinks. like. Yeah, but on the road at Seattle, maybe. Yeah. yeah right, maybe I, I guess uh, it's possible. But also, like you look at the you look at Jacksonville and Houston, and they have each other, right? And I think right. So Houston one of them will also be a gets three. the or uh, the Jaguars. I think also get the Jets. Yep. So that's a possible win as well. Um but yeah, I don't think the Lions would go past three, but I wouldn't rule out two. 
you know, I don't know. It's, it's getting a little dicey now. I don't know <laughs> I that. Mean, well, and, like, and, and I don't know that two necessarily. Two would be okay. I'd be okay with two. That much? Three, I wouldn't like. I don't know if I'd like three. I, three puts you, you know? in a weird spot yeah, in this yeah. draft for some of the things we talked about last right, year. Because if yeah. one two winds up being three, would be annoying. Hutchinson. Three would three would piss me off. That would be an, <laughs> that would be annoying because it would piss a lot. Yeah, of people yeah, off. yeah. Because you'd be. I mean, what do you do? You know, you'd still have Kyle Hamilton, right? There's still. Some things there that you like, but which like, is fine. Damn, yeah, good players, right? Like you're gonna get a good player, okay? But like Thibodeau and Hutchinson to not get either of those guys in this draft would be like you got to be shitting me here, okay? Like what are we doing? So <laughs> that would be annoying. But you know, three would still be, you'd still be able to get a good player there. But yeah, that would be that would definitely change some things. I mean, it would um, change a lot. I would say. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, so where where do you fall on the they, we've we've said it a million times they needed one. Like if they had gotten this yeah. in week three or four or whatever, whatever the Ravens, yeah, well that one yeah. too. But <laughs> like if the Ravens game was a win, I feel like a lot of the conversations moving forward wouldn't have been so like yeah. angst ridden about the coaching decisions and everything because you would have had the one and everything else would have been all right. Well, we're the, we're figuring it out. So now yeah. you have one. Do you? For the sake of just building some momentum, need more than one, or do you just would? Is, are you better off now just losing the last five and going one fifteen and one and getting that number one pick? Like, is there any value to getting to two or three wins here? I mean, I think that the only thing of value left in this season for the Lions is getting the best out of the guys that they know are going to be here. And the wins is like the win to me, you had, you, you're right. So you had to get a win. I think because Dan Campbell needed to get a win and Holmes needed to get a win. Like they needed to win a game. They needed to be able to win a football game to establish for themselves, especially Campbell to establish for himself. What a standard of, you know, personal expectation, personal, what this is what it takes from me to win a football game as a head coach in the NFL, right? So he now has that. He had to do that for himself to to be able to move forward here. I think that I don't know if two or three wins does no. I mean, I don't think that does anything for you as a team. Like, because what's this team gonna be next year? We don't know. We don't know what the roster is gonna look like. I don't know if momentum from that standpoint. Now you go you can't go out and play like crap. You don't want to do that. I think you wanna all your guys that you want to keep getting better if they all keep getting better then I don't think you're going to care what the record is necessarily but yeah losses would probably help I mean you want to be in the one or two range but you can't really throw a game so it's kind of that you know what do you do here I don't know it's one of those weird situations you're going to go out and compete and play as hard as you can I think you have to keep doing that right like I think you have to keep trying to get better that's that's what you have to do here and whatever happens happens I think that's that's sort of how you have to take it you can't try to lose games. I mean, because there's too many young guys right now. If this was a roster with a bunch of old dudes who you were going to cut, yeah, okay, fine. But like, you know, (laughs) that's not what this is. You know, if this was the replacements and, you know, Keanu Reeves was your quarterback (laughs) and that guy that smoked cigarettes was your kicker, like, fine, quit quit the season. But like, you know, you you just got a really good day from Derek Barnes, right? I I would want to let... You know, like you just got a really good game from some of the, you know, Sewell. You want to go tell Sewell? Yeah. Hey, we're quitting. 
I don't think so. Right. So like from that standpoint, you got to keep trying to get better. And I think that if people can't understand that, then, you know, like they don't understand how football works. So that, that does have to happen here, I think for them, but yeah, it's a tricky spot. It's an interesting deal. You've, you've brought that up a couple times, just how well the young guys played. And I, I noted that at one point they had, in the first half, they had, they ended up with like seven tackles for loss in this game, I think. And at one point in the first half, they had four or five, and it was like Jacobs or a Worrier, had one. It was all, Barnes had one. And mm-hmm. so it was all like first or second year guys, third year guys, like all these young pieces that look like they're going to be part of this moving forward and McNeil had got away with a face mask on the one fumble but he was got yeah. a really nice push on the pass rush to set up the Charles Harris strip sack and then Okwara recovered it because he was dropping in coverage after they've been playing him at nose exactly. tackle on pass rushing downs <laughs> like all this stuff you're starting to see um little glimpses of it Jerry Jacobs mm. is like a legit starting cornerback right now yeah. in the NFL uh, and Oral Warrior's been better and better as the year has gone on. We've talked about this too. I mean, just this was another game where I was watching, and everything in that secondary is running through Tracy Walker right now. For right. better or worse at times, but it's all Tracy Walker directing traffic, getting guys in place. Like, you have got to make him a piece of this. And if you do, uh, I don't know that they're as far off as we thought they were going to be on defense. If you no. go get Hutchinson or Thibodeau and you get oh. Romeo Okora back and you get a linebacker and a cornerback, like you still need a bunch of, you still need like four or five starters, but God, yeah, there are, there are some things happening there that are encouraging. I think if you were at three, I'd almost consider trading, <laughs> trading to get right. one of those yeah. because you're right. Cause you're right. Like, and that's why you can't quit on the season because all a lot of the guys you just mentioned there, like Jacobs, Barnes, Anzarike, Walker, you know, and there are some others, but those are the guys that come to mind, McNeil, that I think of as guys that fit exactly what Aaron Glenn wants every single guy who touches his defense to be like. They just rip shit and go play. They don't care. Like they just go play. And you're getting to you're seeing more of that coming out of Amani or Aurarier. We're seeing more of that come out of some other guys. It's being infectious, I think. But when you see guys like Jacobs and Barnes, just like they don't care. They just go play football as hard as they can. And it and Anzarike when he's healthy, McNeil's done that since he walked in the door. And they've put guys in this defense, I think, that has brought that out of some other guys, and it's it's coming, you know, like it's, we've seen more from Julian Okwara as the year's gone on. Right. And that kind of thing, like the effort has been greater and greater. And, you know, as they put more on his plate, it's gotten better and he hasn't faded as much. And so for all those reasons, you know, you've found guys that you can count on, maybe not a superstar, like Jerry, Jerry Jacobs, isn't going to be a pro bowl corner, but like a guy that you can count on to take care of you, a guy that you can count on to give you what you need out there. Uh, in a spot. He's not going to let you down. He's not going to, you know, screw something up. He's not going to miss a tackle. He's going to be physical when he has to be physical. Like you found guys that can do that. So you can't quit for those reasons. And also to your point, if you can put one more elite talent in that front seven, like one more really good playmaker who can help get you off the field, plus Romeo Okwara, that is a pretty good start to 
you're not bad all of a sudden, right? Like you're 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 on your way anyway. <laughs> right. Well, else. that's the problem. I mean, they yeah. still, like I said, as I was going through that, even noting the number of guys that they have, they still need. Well, yeah, they that need more, but like you're on your way. Of the defense. Yeah. <laughs> and and, so. and sometimes that's all it takes in the NFL. You yeah. got to remember that this is an offensive league where teams spend all their money on how how can we be how can we score points? Your defense. So much of it is just, we got to hang on. We just got to yeah. hang in. And it's like, now more than ever, defense is about attitude. And and you're trying to get guys that can hang in. So, yes, they need more playmakers, but they're, they're finding the hard part, I think, in some ways. They're finding the dirty work guys, you know, this year. And, and like, that's really important. And I think they, they made a lot of progress there. Yeah, well, that's why I say, like, you've sort of – like you're filling in the gaps right now, and so exactly. if you can go find, yeah, whether it's at one or two with Dibido or Hutchinson, and like yeah, I mean, just one of those two. Dave Brugler's <laughs> mock draft, and like Devin Lloyd, the Utah linebacker, or Hamilton, like yeah, basically okay. anyone you take is going to be a starter yeah. on right. this defense. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if you get one of those guys and you find a safety and you keep Walker, like I don't. I don't know. I I mean, you got to keep Aaron Glenn too. I think that, well, yeah, that's a big right. part of this. Like he's yeah. got to be here for a couple of years. But I think that they've done uh, a pretty for all the trouble that they've had. You know, sort of piecing stuff together like at wide receiver. I think they've done a pretty good job. I mean, Jerry Jacobs has absolutely been a find, and I think they've yep. done a really nice job developing some of these other guys on that side of the ball. And like these like you draft said, Will picks Harris and the draft picks are competent. He even looks yeah. semi competent. But also, um, the draft picks are hitting over there, yeah, are they not? Right. I mean, we can say yeah. that now, right? Twelve games in. I mean, if he uh, he came back, we'll see about Melifonwu, but like. The other three that we just mentioned, pretty well, good. I mean, and we've talked about Iffy because I think that just in this scheme and with what Aaron Glenn yeah, wants right. to do, like he's a guy that's going to be out there. And they even talked about it this week. You know, mm-hmm. someone said, well, Jerry Jacobs is starting and Oruwari is starting. So what do you do with Melifonu? And it was like, well, we're going to we'll yeah, find some matchup yeah, right. spots for him because he can help us at slot corner and he can help us, at, you know, playing some drop down safety and all mm-hmm. this stuff. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's all been been pretty encouraging. It's just, it's <laughs> those elite players aren't just like falling off the tree. No, so you gotta go the, make sure that you hit on them every year now. That is the hard. I mean, ultimately, that is the hardest part. But like one B probably in that conversation is is finding the guys that you can really realistic re- realistically rely on. In like the current NFL like cap environment, you know, it's like the guys that are on your team that aren't going to be making the huge dollar, you know, check, but they're you've got to they've got to have roles and they've got to be important and they're and they're not nothing. They're you're going to pay them something. You're going to invest in them and they're going to get contracts and they're going to be here and they're going to be part of your program. You know what I mean? Like, and in a lot of ways, we see teams find the elite guys and never find the other stuff around it. You know, and yeah, then we see right. the elite guys, the elite guy flounder. I mean, is that sound familiar to anyone listening to this show? We see the elite <laughs> talent sit there and just die on the vine with garbage around him year after year after year. This plan right now, whether it was intentional or not, has been has been set up for them to find all of the pieces to fit around the elite talents. Now you got to go find the elite talents, but like. They've made a lot of progress with the pieces, and I think that that can't be overlooked here as they're in, 
you know, week 13 of a horrific season <laughs> in the toughest stretch. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I know you said you didn't get to watch the game live because you were driving. Yeah. I know you've gone back and watched most of it now. Yeah. Do you have any opinion on the uh, just the way Dan Campbell handled some of those key <laughs> moments? The fourth, because we talked a lot about the double timeout. They've had right. some issues with some of these fourth down plays. I didn't <sighs> mind them going for the fourth down in the first half, the fourth yeah. and inches, like up near midfield. I don't like they s- ran a sneak and it was terrible and they didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't mind the pl- going for it. I, you know, right. whatever you could have run a better sneak or you could have handed off to Jamal Williams, which you also could have done the second time on fourth yeah. and one. Um, and they're in the play action and tried to leak Williams out into the flat. It was covered. And then there was pressure and that is not, Mm-hmm. where Jared Goff thrives, and nope. we saw what happened there. Uh, Campbell said on Monday that the play he regretted the most uh, was the play before that fourth and one, which was like a third and two, I think, and they got like they Stuffed or whatever, didn't pick yeah. up the first down. Yeah. And so that was the play call he regretted the most because then so, he put him in that tough fourth down side. <laughs> but do you have any opinion on, I guess, yeah. especially that one with five, Whatever, what, what time? How much time? Was yeah, that? four minutes left, and they were up by two. Yeah, and they went for it at their own twenty-eight. Yeah, I mean, like they were all questionable. <laughs> like I think that, like, here's this, <laughs> and here's the deal. I'm glad you asked that question because we were talking about this earlier. It ties together. Like I think that part of it is Campbell still learning how to be a head coach and like what's the best in each, each situation. And obviously, he's making those decisions and has taken ownership of that. It seems like in those really tight spots. But also, here's the deal now. When you have a situation like a Sean Payton or a Jim Harbaugh in the day, and I can ask you, Chris, as a Michigan uh, fan and someone who watches all Michigan games, uh, did Jim Harbaugh's play calling back in the day, uh, <laughs> did they have some issues with short yardage and uh, really critical spots? Did they have some issues with some maybe calls that they'd like to have back in those moments? Maybe sometimes they'd have to delay a game because they're thinking too long. <laughs> yeah, like that's what's going to happen. And I think, I think they that- ran. Yeah, they ran the same same yeah, exact think, play on third and two like yeah, forty seven times in a row. I think a couple times it didn't work out because there was some like some too much discussion going on in the tough moment because you had too many cooks, and that is the drawback I think sometimes in these spots. And I think unfortunately, we'll, and this will be Dan Campbell's ultimate like challenge if this is in fact how he wants to go about this with you know him as the gatekeeper like we talked about. You know, you got a run guy, you got a pass guy, and you're the guy kind of in the middle you know, land in the plane. You either have to be really fast in that sort of situation, or like you have to take over everything altogether. Because when you have one person making the decision in those moments, that's when it usually is more efficient. When you have three people trying to make a decision in that moment, it's going to get complicated. And I think, you know, as, as you go forward here, and we've seen it all year, it's not just been this game. It's been like every game. There's like two or three things each game that it's like, what are they doing? And it's like, is that Campbell just not, you know, learning on the job or is that also a result of their process? And I wonder sometimes if it's both. And, you know, as we go forward here with Campbell, uh, you know, I kind of think if that's going to be how they go about things, then, yeah, he's going to have to be a lot better in those bang, bang, got to have it type situations because they've come up empty way too many times on those this year. Way too many times. And he would admit that too, I would think, right? Like... Yeah. Whatever we think of the decision, it was the wrong, you know, it often is like the call was wrong. It wasn't the decision. It was like he just had a bad call for it. Right. And a bad play, which leads me to believe that you're, 
your process of sorting out what you want to run isn't as efficient as it needs to be. And that, I think, is what I would blame on that whole thing. I didn't even, I really didn't mind the decision to go for it on the fourth and one at the end of the game. I know a lot of people no, freaked out that they did. went for yeah. it, but I right. kind of liked it because I think if they punt there with four minutes left, even knowing what we all we just talked about with the defense, yeah, I can almost guarantee you that game comes down to the Vikings kicking like a 39 exactly. yard field goal. For the win. Play. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and you're hoping and so they miss. At least there, yeah. you're trying to keep it in your own hands. And if you don't make it, Right. What happened is what happens. Is what you happens. give up a touchdown, yeah. you get the ball back, you get another chance. So I think right. that that was – I didn't mind that. But like you said, the process of all this. They had twice in that game, once at the end of the half when they were driving with a chance to uh, hang some more points. They ended up kicking a fuel. They got a delay game um, with like 15 seconds left. Out of a play that they had gotten out of bounds and stopped the clock, they got a delay a game, and Campbell was just on the sidelines, like throwing his hands up, trying to get Goff to get out of the huddle. They broke the huddle with like eight seconds left. Goff told everyone just to stay there, take the delay. Right. Then before the fourth and one in that fourth quarter, this was the thing that really bugged me beside the play call, which a play action pass to Jamal Williams. Like, just hand the ball to Jamal Williams. Let's just, that's why he's there. That's your whole right. identity. But right. They took a timeout before that play, too. So now you turn it over and you're down. That was their second timeout they'd used in the half. So it, it goes back. I think you're right to the process of all this, which I don't know. They've had these moments where he's been super decisive, like to the point of making like mistakes, which happened yeah. in it happened in L.A. <laughs> yeah. That third right. and one, fourth and one back to back. He's yeah. like, we are going to freaking get this yeah, first down, run the play, run decisive. it again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And they didn't right. get it. And now this one, where they got kind of caught in the middle, like, oh, what should we should we do this? Do we really want to do this? We can't yeah. sneak it. We already got stuff out of sneak. Do we want to run? I don't know if we want to run. We got, and then they end up with this horrible play call that <laughs> blows up exactly, exactly. Uh, and so I think that that is, and and the other point I would make on on that is that yes, it should continue to get better, but we are also. 12 games into this now, mm. these sort of things should be a little smoother than they are. And yeah. so they need to start, they and need I to would, figure out how it's going to work because I, they, they yeah. can't keep happening. And I would also wonder too, like, was it more pressurized in recent weeks because Campbell has been just like, I haven't slept because we are winless. <laughs> you know, Maybe, like, and probably. Has, does that, you know, and I do wonder, does that... And that's something to watch this week. Does that like sort of ease up? Does he, you know, calm down for lack of a better phrase, I guess, like and breathe and sort of let his coaches coach like we've talked about, like they've got to win. That's off. You know, you're not going winless. Okay. You know, Dan Campbell, you don't have to worry about being one of three winless head coaches in the history of NFL football. Okay. <laughs> that's not on the table. So you don't right. have to do that. Like that's not going to be something that stains you forever. So that's out of the question. You don't have to worry about it. Like, can you breathe now and sort of let your coaches coach more? And I think if you do that, I think that would take care of some of those things. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, most of those mistakes or things that we would perceive as mistakes or misses, I guess, have been for usually because of exactly that. Like, him just, like, almost trying too hard in, like, the moment and just being like, screw this. Like, to hell with it. We're doing, you know, like. What else do we got to lose? You know, that's like that kind of stuff where it's like, you don't have to burn the boats on like every decision that you make, man. Like you can call a game, you know, like 
realistically, right? Like your life isn't on the line on every call. I don't think it has to be anyway. So like maybe he can get back to or start doing uh, more of that yeah. as we go forward here. We'll see. All right, so I'm off to Denver this week. Uh, watch Lions Broncos. Are you like, what's happening with you? <laughs> you got Michigan now for the next I month. Do. Are you uh, tapping I, out I on I the gotta, Lions until the draft? I got to finish. Uh, I've got a yeah. I don't know. I, I've got a lot to sort <laughs> with the Lions. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm going to be at Lions Cardinals for sure. There you go. Because uh, uh, I'm going to be. I think I have to write about the Cardinals actually for. Uh, the we got two home. <laughs> are there only two two home games left? So I'll be, I'll be at the I'll home. be at the next. Home, yeah, I think I'll be at the the next uh, couple home games for sure. Whatever's left. Uh, I think on there's that only front. two. There's only unless two left. I Arizona well no Green Bay. Now, um, when is Green is Green Bay counter? Or, uh, uh, Green Bay with? is January 9th, which oh okay, I'll be back for that. Unless yeah. they're in the championship. Unless Michigan's, well, I don't know when's that. Well, I guess that's true. Michigan could be in the championship, and I think it's probably that. That it's usually that Monday, right? Like after the yeah, so NFL season ends. We'll um, I wouldn't be there for that. Well, let's hope you're not there for that. Yeah, <laughs> I would. If I'd miss that, only if Michigan's in the I, title game. I would root but, for yeah. you to be in Indianapolis for that one. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. It almost. It's weird. Like honestly, it almost feels like. I almost feel like I have a weight off my shoulders now too <laughs> yeah, that they won because we don't have to do this every week. Like, yeah, uh, is this right. going to be the week? Right, of course. Uh, <laughs> and so, everyone felt like that because that's yeah. it. Just makes people. I think that that's the thing to remember. Like, it made fans. This made fans become irrational. This whole thing yeah, about right. you know not wanting to go zero and sixteen, and that's normal and realistic, and we we expect that. Uh, but it also makes coaches irrational. Like, yeah. no one wanted to be on a winless team. That was a big deal. Like, when we were in the room, what week was that? When the first week that somebody asked those guys after a loss, like, about winless. <sighs> I don't remember what week it was, but I remember what Campbell's face looked like when he got asked. And it was like, oh, my God. Was it Cincinnati? Or yeah, it was one I, of the home games. Yeah, it was, the, it was the one where Philadelphia. he was. It was the one where he was really mad, like, yeah. for the first time about their shit effort or whatever. And, like, someone yeah. asked him, and I think. Tracy Walker, uh, Walker or Goff, yeah. or oh one yeah, of them yeah, about Walker. It. And yep, all of right. their reactions were like, "Oh yeah, no, they're yeah, they're already thinking about this. Like already, like fuck that. Like <laughs> I don't want to yeah, be on a team right. that goes winless, you know. Like and so like that, you know. I think they were all feeling it, and I think that was the you know kind of release that you saw right with the celebration and everything else so yeah yeah that's that's and Campbell said when I asked him on Monday you know did you what'd you do after the game like we saw the (laughs) celebration but when you left did you like you know go chill out relax have a drink and he said I just went and sat on the couch with my family I was totally spent I didn't have I was it I was done so uh, yeah I mean I think and I think it just makes like people now you can just go Mm-hmm. enjoy the last five weeks watch some of these young guys you don't have to wor- fret over every single decision because there's not if they go to 14 and one or 115 and one like who cares like, yeah if they you know, lose right. every game the rest of the way it doesn't matter yeah you're right. it's better for you you know like whatever uh so just uh see how it goes and everyone can just take a breath now and, and yeah just kind of play this out maybe you can hurt. take some chances with some younger guys you know maybe right. more we'll see yeah you're right. They just don't have to do this every week. <laughs> right. It doesn't well, have to be. that chance. Here it comes. Uh, so, yeah. All right, we'll see what happens in Denver. I don't know. Either they'll – maybe they'll play really well because they're feeling good or that was like – this is just yeah. a huge letdown game coming because they got their win. <laughs> yeah. uh, either know. or. Could, could go either way. But uh, like I said, I'll be out there. 
for that one, we'll be back next Tuesday to uh, wrap it up and, and talk it through and then preview that. Cardinals coming in. <laughs> not chalk that one up as a win, but no, I guess we'll not. see. Strange things happen in the NFL That's true. sometimes. Maybe that'll be an onside kick game. That uh, might be an onside kick game. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. Uh, so you can get us, uh, make sure you get all the athletic.com and subscribe if you haven't yet. You can get us ad free on the athletic app, or you can find us on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts regularly. Thanks for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.